What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Block Bites Daily Show. We have all eyes on Bitcoin dominance. We're going full DeFi today. Kronos Finance, Sweet Tokenomics, Granary Finance Incentive Launch, uh, and Spark Protocol by MakerDAO just came out. We're going to break it all down right here, right now. Stick around. If you like the content, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. Excited to bring you this one today. Mikey, let's get it rolling. What is happening, gentlemen? How are we? Yo, what's happening, player? Y'all doing yo, yo. Chilling, chilling. I uh, I decided to let the light in today. No, no lights. No, no darkness. You know, it's defi. <laughs> look good, man. I'm glad to see you've made this turn. This turn in your life. You've taken a step out of the darkness into the light. That's right. Yeah. The the only the only step now is to grow a mustache and <laughs> shave the rest of your face. Got <laughs> got to wait for uh for November for that one. Isn't that uh isn't that the deal? Like. November? I guess so. You want to be basic, yeah. I mean, I couldn't rival those mustaches, so I wouldn't even try to be to be perfectly frank. Mm, uh, no. All right, I might, maybe I'll give you a shot. There you uh, go. I'll give you the cream that I use. Corval, where are you at, bro? Uh, I think I'm at the beach. <laughs> all right. I typed, in, I typed in open sea. I wanted to get a shot of the the high seas, and this is what it gave me. So. <laughs> That's a, a, a rocky beach, bro. You got to come down to Clearwater. It's white sand and beautiful, oh, yeah. my friend. Yeah, man, um, I don't know what you can even do here. So before we jump into this one, I'm going to say this show is not financial advice, and uh, you shouldn't listen to a word we say. And uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll get we'll get it going from there. But I'm excited for this one, guys. This is uh, you know I think we need to start kicking off um, what I'm deeming DeFi Tuesday. Uh, and going deep into different DeFi protocols, and you know breaking it all down, man, and yeah, figuring man. out you know what we think the opportunities are in the market because that is why we are all here. So, Charles, good to have you back, buddy. Charles DeFi. That's uh, we're gonna we're gonna live up to the name today. And uh, like I said, guys, we got we got Kronos Finance on deck, Sweet Tokenomics, Granary, uh, Spark by MakerDAO, all kinds of stuff to cover. So hit the like button. Uh, Go retweet the uh, the link to the show and let's get it rolling, guys. So um, let's jump in. Get a little let's screen share in. action going. Let's get right to it, bro. Let's get right to it. Thank you, Crypto Bean. You did make my day, by the way. Uh, yeah, I'm a big MF Doom fan. I also have a hat that I was going to wear, but uh, decided <laughs> to let the locks out. But I do love MF Doom. Big fan. Live, live free, baby. Rest in uh, peace, bro. R.I.P. indeed. R.I.P. to what? Uh, MF Doom. He's he's dead. Oh. MF Doom. It's, it's a tragic loss. That's in the hip hop community. That's terrible. Uh, all right, so jumping in, guys. So let's let's take a look at let's look at some bubbles, right? So this doesn't look good. All right, here's the here's the deal. This is the day, right? So, you know, okay, fine. We look at the day all the time and, and generally it's like, hey, it's green, it's red. Well, it's not news to anybody, but it's, you know, it's a mixed bag today. But if we look at the month, like it's, it's not, it's not great. So the narrative, what, what's that? I said, yeah, it's not much better. 
No, so the narrative in the beginning of, you know, when we started a few, you know, last week, I think it was, it was, it was, uh, you know, sell in May and go away. And, um, you know, and there was, there was debate as to whether that was real or not. And May has looked pretty ugly. And, uh, you know, I started to, to look a little bit deeper. And there's a few reasons why. There's a few things that I am keeping my eye on. Uh, as you can see, you know, this is the top 100, but Phantom down 20%. Um, you know, there's Matic down 20%, uh, IOTA 20%. So, so really like almost everything is, is somewhere between, you know, I guess in the best case, like, well, there's a few that are up, but not much, dude. So it's pretty ugly out there. And so the sell and may go away narrative, um, it seems to be, uh, at least holding a little bit of weight. And so, you know, if we look at Bitcoin dominance, it sort of explains a bit of what's going on. So we talked about Bitcoin dominance before in this key level of 48. And I hadn't checked it in, uh, in about a week, which is something I usually do. If we scroll back in time, we see that it's a key level going back to 2021 in July, in July again, in October, in June. So like this, this key level of resistance has usually triggered a drop in Bitcoin dominance. And that means that altcoins can run. And what we're seeing right now is that we had that break uh, in the beginning of April and everyone was like, oh, watch out. Like Bitcoin dominance could go to 50. It could go to 52. Uh, and it actually broke back down and came back down and we saw some reliefs in the alts. Now, what happened uh, on the 27th? Bitcoin dominance broke 48 again and has remained there and it started to crab sideways. And so that explains a lot of the pain that we're seeing in the alts. And so this is something that this is something. Oh, wait, that, hold on. Are you are you looking at the Bitcoin dominance chart right now? Because we're still looking at bubbles. Good Lord. What, like, why, why can't you guys just stop me and be like, hey, Clay, we don't I see literally just did. <laughs> uh, yes. Let's do that all over again, my friend. Goodness gracious. Yep. Here we go. So, there we go. Uh, so yeah, there's BTCD. So as I said, if we go backwards, this has been a key level of resistance um, many, many times. And it's also triggered major, major uh, alt runs uh, back in July of 2021, October 21, uh, you know, summer of this past year. Uh, and now we can see that we're back above 48 again, which is something that we had uh, had been keeping an eye on previously because we broke 48 back in the beginning of April. And so, you know, when that happens, then alts bleed and we are seeing that in a big way on the month right now. And so, so this is something I hadn't checked in a bit, but when we initially broke, people were like, oh shit, we're going to run to 50, another key level of, um, of resistance. And then maybe 52, like how high could it go? And so we broke, uh, 48 again, uh, at the end of April and it explains a lot, a lot of what's going on up to now with the alt market. And so that's, uh, you know, this is a, a really key indicator as to what's going to happen with alts we would like to see um you know this not become support and break down again and then continue to trend down and, and so that's something that i mean that that's basically a major a major factor as to what's going on right now in may and so you know any any uh any thoughts on that guys yeah that's i mean th this is just kind of like the graph showing exactly what the crypto bubbles are right like we're never going to see the bubbles turn green if if bitcoin dominance is still big unless the whole sector as a whole grows right 
Yeah. So, I mean, what you're talking about is total three, which is actually the next thing that I had uh, pulled up. And so I was like, all right, so what is what's going on with total three? Right. So, you know, everything excluding Bitcoin and Ethereum, what's actually happening in the market? And I do not like what I see. Uh, And so, you know, so explaining this goes back to this being a problem. Bitcoin dominance being above 48. Uh, and we're seeing it come down. What What is it going to do now that it's back here? Does this become support? And and we crab sideways and alts just bleed against Bitcoin for, you know, I don't know how long. Um, and so that's that's the deal. Right. And so uh, and I apologize that I didn't share the window, guys, in the beginning. Uh, but, you know, so so, dude, looking looking at this total three chart, we're talking we go back like like this. This top trend line goes back. I mean, for 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 fact's sake, let's see. It goes oh all God. the way back to um november of of 21 like it's Mm -hmm. crazy and so but if we look at it from where we are right now so total three is effectively uh the market cap of of all of crypto excluding uh bitcoin and ethereum right and so you can see uh you know we've got effectively you know a, a, a symmetrical triangle if you will and this is the you know we're on the daily right now so this is the 200 day moving average and we a, we just broke this uh, bottom level of support on the triangle. B, we are hovering uh, right on the 200-day. And I do not like that. And I do not, you know, so we don't want to lose the 200-day moving moving average. Uh, and if total three breaks down, mm. then we're going to see alts continue to get crushed. And so this is another thing that I think that we need to be paying attention to moving forward. Uh, and obviously, it it also plays into Bitcoin dominance and just total market cap of of all of alts, and so yeah, so that's that's kind of the the deal. So this graph is telling me we have not seen any capital inflows into altcoins since like end of April, and even that was kind of small. I would the biggest inflow in the beginning of twenty twenty three. I mean, well, I mean, we've seen capital. I mean. I guess going back to yeah yeah to I mean look the Jan the like the December to January lows like if you remember you know Phantom was what eighteen cents so we have mm-hmm. seen money flow into alts you know as you can see by the rise in in total three but we're starting to see money flow out of alts we could lose the two hundred day uh, moving average here in a moment and as Bitcoin dominance continues to rise, like basically, I think what we're seeing is capital rotation out of alts into Bitcoin. This is pretty much what it comes down to. Uh, Bitcoin as, has uh, not risen that much, has it? No, so but still kind of sitting kind of low. But if you think about the total market cap of Bitcoin, like let me let me pull up. I mean, it's easier to do for my phone than it is to pull up another tab. Uh, so maybe maybe everyone got rich from meme coins and. Mm. That money is just ready to be. We'll see. I had something I was going to say about meme coins is what it looks like here is there was an argument that meme coins were going to cause an inflow of capital into the whole sector. And what it instead looks like is it was just people moving things from other altcoins into meme coins. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't really imagine, I don't know, maybe like the people who are being attracted into crypto through meme coins, I don't know what percentage of those people then go like the whole gateway to the broader crypto market. I don't know how much I buy that. Like meme mm-hmm. coins being like people who are buying meme coins um, who don't really know anything about crypto. I don't see a lot of them just going, oh, well, actually, maybe I should check out this, you know, this bond protocol that's like, <laughs> yeah. this is really I, interesting I, tech, you know? It's like, I don't know. I Yeah. 
so so you guys think you guys thesis is that the money made from pepe just exits the market like we need to pull up like capital outflows of of like you know the, we, we need to pull up quant uh crypto quant and look at capital outflows of stables but I don't, I don't think that's the case i think that money rotates uh into like i actually think that money is smarter than you think well i mean look look at this right so pepe's launched somewhere around like what like end of april yeah early may yeah so i mean you could say that those green lines there are people rotating out of bitcoin and ethereum into pepe right Unless this is all just coming in as USDC. Well, but this ex dude, this excludes Bitcoin and Ethereum. So this would include Pepe. Like this is this That's is what I'm saying. So like this is like if this goes up, that means money has entered into altcoins exclusively. Yes. And we only really see that happening like like right there. I'm pointing with my fingers. <laughs> April, end of April. Um Yep. And and we saw we like I mean I did, I referenced Phantoms because I I like I have it I own it, I I see the price all the time like we saw Phantom up at like fifty six cents and that was mm -hmm. about this time um, right around here and so and and that was when um, that was when Velodrome went on a run that was when Optimism was two dollars and sixty cents or seventy cents whatever it became mm -hmm. so yeah man like this this but this is danger zone like this is. This is if you have stables, you might find some really great entries on alts. Like it depends what happens with this, and it depends what happens with Bitcoin dominance. Like we want to see this come down. Uh, we want to see it um, not find support at forty-eight and break back down, uh, and that will that will usually alleviate this type of situation. But as of this moment, I do not like the way that this looks, uh, and I think that May could be uh, an ugly one potentially. And so I'm, and I'm talking particularly for alts. I'm not saying that Bitcoin's going to, you know, tank or anything like that. In fact, the thing you know, we we talked about Bitcoin yesterday, and, and the scenario I laid out was effectively coming down and and finding this, um, you know, this this bottom line of support, and sort of go, getting into this like demand zone box, and and hopefully holding this uh, this trend line here. And you can see that uh, we damn near touched it. I mean, actually, we did touch it. Uh, as far as the the you know the demands on box, uh, and we've come back up. I, I still think that we're probably going to retrace back at, down into 27. If we lose this, then 25 is absolutely on the table, uh, and that is when you're going to see total three get absolutely murked if that happens. And so those are the, those are the things that I'm going to be looking at. And then you you talked about um, you talked about capital rotation of um, total three versus Bitcoin. Like Bitcoin's market cap is 531 billion. This total three market cap is 353 billion. And so, you know, even if you pull out a few billion dollars from this, right? Let's say this goes from 353. Like, what's what's support on this on this thing? Let's see. Um, let's call it 346 as as a line of potential support. Uh, so that'd be a loss of like another what? seven billion like it's like my point is it's not going to move bitcoin one or another like it's not like bitcoin's market cap is so big that i don't think seven million dollars in inflows and outflows out of alts is going to drastically move bitcoin's price but that's that's my opinion obviously we need to do a bit more analysis on that but do you get what i'm saying like like the market cap is almost 2x of mm -hmm. of the entire altcoin altcoin market so yeah yeah i mean i think what um, in my mind, what matters is just general inflows and outflows um, into the market in general, whether that be Bitcoin or altcoins or ETH or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like we could see some rotation out of meme coins back into some, you know, maybe we'll get some two day 
you know, 10% pump or something like that. But I think for me, the bottom line is that there is little reason to be further exposing yourself to risk on assets like crypto, um, just for the general population for firms for, I don't know, whales, whoever else retail, um, like with the overall market, with the stock market, with, um, yep. the economy worldwide, it's hard to find reasons to further expose yourself to risk on assets. So we'll see maybe some sloshing around in, in the crypto market, but I'm just generally bearish, uh, over the, over the next few months. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I Maybe we'll hope... see some weird stuff going on, but I just think general like inflows generally will not uh, pick up anytime soon, in my opinion. I just opened it there, Charles. Other... Sorry, go ahead, Corval. I was saying I'm with you there, Charles. I think um, I can think of a reason why like a, like big money might come in, and that's to uh, quickly siphon out additional liquidity <laughs> uh, using uh, let's say like low market cap uh low liquidity tokens and you can pump them and then dump them that's what i would do if i had yeah i mean dollars yeah. well yeah, that's a good point if we see bitcoin fall we're just going to see people exit into stables like smart smart money is going to exit into stables and that's the bottom line and so 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 nothing you know to your point charles nothing good is going to happen look i, I was gonna nothing good this. is going to happen you heard it here folks <laughs> i mean you know, a lot of other shows will be like you know like Buy this, buy that, like do whatever you want. But you know what 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 does make sense though is is keeping an eye on total three. And and, and the bottom line is if this comes down uh, to you know previous levels, you know, if it finds support in in a lower level, like there's gonna be hella good entries on alts. Like you're gonna be able to get some super you know fantastic opportunities to to two or three X in a pretty short time frame on a lot of different alts. And so uh, that is, you know, so that, that, that's like, that's from here on out, this is what I'm watching because mm -hmm. I want to buy, like, you know, you could see phantom at 28 cents. If this, you know, if this drops $7 billion at that kind of shit. And that's, that's the kind of entries that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, so I think on the, on the positive side, uh, you know, you can either ape into meme coins, which seem to be market resistant at this point, because there's so much money seems to be flowing there. Um, but yeah, it's uh it's an interesting it's an interesting time. I was gonna pull up this art, like I, as I've said before, I like I like watching old ass Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett stuff. But they just did an interview with Bloomberg, and he goes through all the reasons why he thinks May is gonna be ugly. My thing is like until they figure out the debt ceiling thing in the United States, there's a lot of market uncertainty that's swirling, and it's 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 excuse my language, effing everything up. I guess I didn't say it, but it's effing everything up, and they need to figure that out. And I think once that's settled, there will be a lot, you know, like things will be a lot more calm in the risk on sector. Uh, because the debt ceiling is, you know, it impacts the, the dollar, it impacts everything, and it impacts our government being able to pay its bills, so all that kind of stuff. So anyway, we can move on from this, but uh, I still expect Bitcoin to come down to, to at least this level at, at 27.1. If we, if we lose this support line, then I think 25 is on the table. Austin said for weeks that he would like to see a retest at 25 because it's going to bring in new uh, liquidity, and, you know, it flushes out a lot of leverage as well. So uh, let's see what happens. But as of this moment, things to be playing out, you know, as we as we stated yesterday. True that. 25 <laughs> sounds good to me. But with that said, let's uh, let's get into some of the DeFi protocols, bro, because there's a lot of cool mm -hmm. stuff going on. And uh, uh, so let's start with Kronos. 
Um, Kronos, if you do not know, was a solid leaf fork uh, on Arbitrum. And they, how, you guys, how long ago did they launch, guys? It hasn't been that long. It's like, what, a couple it's, weeks? But it's just over a week, I think. Okay. Uh, maybe a couple weeks. Somewhere between one and two weeks, my final answer. All right. Uh, one dollar, Bob. Uh, so, um, so looking at looking at what they've done in one or two weeks, they've got two hundred thirty million in TVL, uh, which is pretty damn incredible uh, on Arbitrum. And so, you know, I'm not sure who the bigger winner here is, Kronos or Arbitrum. I would say both. Um, but they have done a very fantastic job, and they've done some very interesting things with the VE33 model. Uh, which I think we can get into. So I've talked a lot, so I'm going to kick it over to you guys and, and see what you have to say. Like, like, what do you think has made them so successful? And then I'll chime in. Charles, you want to go for this, Charles? Yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah, they actually reached 200 million TVL in a day, which is really, really insane. It like, it really took me by surprise. Um, yeah, 200 million in a day is pretty insane. Uh, I will say that I think a lot of their partnerships uh, were big drivers of that. I mean, they did a really good job before they launched of uh, locking in a ton of these partnerships and marketing themselves um, to a lot of different communities and like hyping up their, their launch a lot. I think they have over 30 partners now, which is um, pretty crazy. They also, I mean, like their airdrop um, scheme at the for their launch uh, yeah. was probably pretty smart because what they did is basically airdrop all their tokens, mostly in the form of lock tokens, um, to all these communities, and it really like got people in the door and got people to use the uh, use the protocol right away. Um, yeah. Who doesn't want an airdrop? Everybody wants an airdrop. You get these lock tokens and then you're forced to be like, oh, like, how does this work? How does the solid, solidly model work? How am I going to take advantage of these, these lock tokens? So um, I think they did a really good job sort of pre-launch um, in terms of getting their, their name out there. Mm -hmm. Still, though, 200 million is, is crazy. Um, yeah. Now, in terms of how long this TVL is going to stick around for, um, one of the biggest changes that they've implemented is the... Uh, implementation of Reliquary. So for those who aren't aware, Reliquary is, uh, I'm not sure if you've got. Uh, I don't, I don't have any, here. I don't have any, okay. yeah, I don't have any locked positions, but. Okay, like, cool. I'm going to. But go on. So, I mean, just, right. just to, Charles, before you go in, so, so VE33, vote right. escrow, you know, effectively 33 came from the Olympus days of, of like, you know, game three. Game theory of you know if, if you stay locked if everyone stays locked for a long enough period uh, you know it's kind of up and to the right in terms of quadrants of uh, positivity like the, like good things happen and so uh, when you lock your um, your VE NFTs then you can vote on these different gauges and get bribes and fees as a locked staker and so they did it a little bit differently though and that's what you're going to tell, talk about with reliquary i just want to provide some context on the ve33 thing that's all solidly forks and so right yeah, so go right. on Mike. thank you yeah voters get the fees and the bribes and then the lpers get all the emissions um and so for everybody probably knows this but uh incentive distribution contracts 
Um, the reliquary is a new type of incentive di distribution contract. And the first one, which was created by the devs at SushiSwap, is called MasterChef. And it basically is a contract that rewards tokens um, for providing liquidity. I mean, it, you can reward sort of any behavior, but um, typically LPs put their, put their money in a pool and then they get rewarded tokens for doing so. Now, MasterChef... Mm -hmm. The, the reward is proportional to how much you put in the pool. So basically, you know, the bigger your size, the more tokens you're going to get. With Reliquary, um, there is a time component to it. So uh, rewards are based on maturity, not only size. So basically, as an, what Kronos has done is as an LP, those positions are maturity adjusted. So the longer you remain an LP, your rewards are going to grow and grow. Um, and over some time, you're going to be getting boosted rewards. And it basically, um, it rewards those people who have been in the pool longer and it doesn't dilute them from new people coming into the pool. Like if a new whale comes in and deposits a bunch of money into the pool, they're going to have to start from from ground zero, whereas you, if you've been in the pool for some time, you're going to be getting a higher percentage of rewards because um, because of that that maturity. So I've got mm -hmm. a little. I'm going to share a page here to vis demonstrate what I've just explained. Present. Here we go. <laughs> so here we go. It's happening. Um, I think this one is it. There we go. I'm not as fast as Clay. Okay, can you all see that? Yeah, let's pop you up here. Yes. Beautiful. Look at that stepped graph. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. So there you can see um, mm -hmm. that on the x-axis you've got all these epochs. So those are you know a week long. And as an LP, if you deposit liquidity and you stay in the pool for um, week after week, you can see your your rewards. Um, grow over time and then after six weeks you're basically earning 2x the rewards you were at, at week one and then at six weeks it stays it stays at that 2x mm -hmm. um so the whole idea behind this is to create sticky liquidity they want to incentivize people to remain lpers in the pools because lps are like the lifeblood of of any decks you want they're trying to disincentivize mercenary liquidity. They don't want people coming in and just getting emissions and then leaving. Um, they want to incentivize long-term LPRs. And it's really about aligning protocol and user incentives because the protocol wants sticky liquidity. Users want boosted rewards. Um, and so Reliquary, the, co the contract, um, allows for this. And... It's really cool because there's no locking. You can exit any time. You will lose your maturity, obviously, but you can you can exit your position anytime. There's no locking, and it just re it just rewards uh, long-term behavior. Um, it incentivizes so, you to sell yeah. your liquidity, right? Your uh, your your NFT instead of pulling it out. So that kind of adds mm -hmm. an additional layer of stickiness. I mean, the V three three model is also designed to incentivize you to stick, right? In that, well stick within the prod like the the protocol itself right with those bribes you're choosing to stay on the platform and just put liquidity different places um mm -hmm. one of the things i thought was kind of interesting about this is uh chronos has said that in in one of their 
their documents that the goal of this is to incentivize that stickiness longer term because of these nfts um where and like when you're so if you think about it like this like chronos is business models to sell liquidity to other projects right like the more liquidity they have the yep. more people are going to want to use them right um and so how they're kind of structured this is that with these nfts uh you're kind of like buying it like up front is what it seems like to me like there's still bribing going on but you're buying kind of longer liquidity because it's stuck into these nfts like you're much less likely to pull it out and move it around right yeah i think that's exactly right i mean but like that would you... mean to me if i'm buying it i would expect a higher upfront bribe cost like if i'm guaranteed essentially something like 50 million in liquidity i would have to put down a lot of money to ensure that otherwise because if people are deciding like what nfts they're going to mint they're going to want a, a pretty sizable emissions guaranteed because like it doesn't really matter if i get two times the weighted emissions if i'm only getting like 50 bucks at at two times when let's say someone else is incentivized that i'm getting 500 at one so are you are you talking about the the like the ve nft as a whole as like a a, a personal holder like like me you yeah, yeah, yeah i'm a liquidity provider gotcha so yeah so yeah i mean go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I'm just asking, does that make sense? Like if, if it does if, make sense. Yeah. It basically turns LP positions into like these bonds, mm -hmm. these bonds that get increased interest rates over time. Um, and so, yeah. And I think Kronos was talking, I, they were talking about this uh, when they launched. I'm not totally sure. Um, we'll have to ask them about this, but they were talking about creating, um, developing their own, uh, marketplace for yep. the the LP positions. So if people wanted to, you know, exit, then they don't have to they don't have to actually pull their money out of the pool. They just sell it to someone else. That person pays a premium for whatever maturity they've accrued, um, and and the money stays in the pool and the the liquidity remains deep. Mm -hmm. So yeah, exactly Philip right. asks, what if the liquidity isn't needed anymore, or if it's needed less? That's kind of the advantage of you being able to either just sell the NFT or pull it out, right? Like it's not locked. So if it's not needed anymore, if you're not getting incentivized anymore, you can still pull it out um, instead of being locked into your position for four years or whatever people were doing a year ago. Yeah. So, I mean, all right. So correct me if I'm wrong. Once you're in these, these, uh, these maturity NFTs, I guess, MA NFTs, is, I think what, they're calling them like you pick a pool and you are in that pool for a, a six week duration in terms of voting. Uh, and that, that is what, you know, step ladders your incentives uh, along the way. So effectively, you know, your liquidity in that pool becomes, you know, very, very sticky and it stays there and, and, and provides deep liquidity. Like it's sort of like the perfect flywheel of incentivization, like incentive alignment, um, because you know, people, people vote for pairs that generate the most fees, uh, and that's going to deepen liquidity for, you know, that particular pair, which means that executing trades for a trader is going to be better. Uh, and, and the, the voters benefit by, by earning more fees. So it's like, it literally is like the solidly model is an incredible flywheel for lockers. And it's an incredible flywheel for protocols, because instead of having to emit 
you know, a shitload of tokens in the market, you can just bribe, you know, these different pools. And it's, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what the numbers are, but I've seen stats that's like, you know, for every one dollar you, you know, you put in as a bribe, you get, you know, a five x ROI in terms of like the the money you put down, something something along those lines. And so it's incredibly yeah, yeah. efficient for partners. Now, I'm it's not orders so of ma- yeah. Sorry, no, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, I was no, just gonna no, say it's orders of magnitude uh, cheaper liquidity for other protocols because yep. liquidity is generally expensive. Um, yeah, sorry for cutting you off. I was gonna say um, that. Um, what was I going to say? I keep doing this. I forgot. <laughs> so, so, so I'm not surprised that they have had this success. So here, here's, here's my, here's my perspective. Uh, I like, I like Arbitrum. I like the Arbitrum token and I'm not saying buy the Arbitrum token, but I'm telling you that I like the ecosystem. I, I, I look at Arbitrum the same way that I looked at Phantom in July of, of, of like 21 and forward. Like it's, it has grown itself into be into being the DeFi hub of of all chains at this point. Like there is massive DeFi that's going on on Arbitrum, uh, and I just particularly think that they have a very bright future when it comes to um, continuing to grow. And, and they're outpacing all other um, you know L2s for Ethereum and, and TBL because because DeFi is freaking massive there. And so I'm not surprised to see this liquidity flooded into Kronos particularly with the way that they've, um, you know, enabled partners to incentivize these pools and the fact that they didn't do any uh, rebasing. So they have a zero rebase model. So basically if you lock, you know, if you lock VECHR, which is like vote escrowed Kronos, you lock your tokens and you get an NFT. Um, and the originally solidly model, it would rebase every epoch and your, your NFT would grow and grow and grow, which means that the whales that got in the beginning you know, by by the thirtieth epoch, their NFT was so big it was like, what? Why? Why? Why would I even lock at this point? Like, I'll never catch up to them. And so, you know, these guys didn't do that. They have a zero rebase model. And so, you know, people are going to come along and say, great, you know, I can lock up a big position of Kronos and still have the same type of rewards as someone who, you know, got in earlier than me. And I think that was a very smart decision. I guess time will tell. And I think Equalizer on Phantom might have done the same thing with with the zero rebase model, but um you know i am i am i you know am i on track there charles with with that yeah yeah definitely and i i was going to say that um just to go back quickly to the the sticky liquidity lps um solidly models often have this problem where in when the prices of the tokens going up in an uptrend uh they're killing it it's like they um, read my mind bro yeah, it's like they, you know, uh, TVL is growing like crazy. Everybody's making money. APRs are going up. Um, but then when the price goes down, um, APRs goes go down, and then all these people uh, leave the the pools. It's like the emissions that they're getting aren't worth as much, and they they go, okay, I'm going to go somewhere else with my liquidity. Yeah. With the maturity adjusted LPs, they're just less incentivized to to leave the the pool or they at least can sell it to somebody else who um who can just buy their maturity from them and the the liquidity can stay in there so like the tvl um has has stayed relatively stable i think they hit 250 million and it's it's around Mm -hmm. 230 million right now and the price has taken a bit of a hit but that liquidity has been has for the most part remained 
So so let's back um, that, let's really back cool. that out a little bit, Charles. Like what you're making an exceptionally key point. Uh, and and so basically, in in most solidly models, as you said, token price falls, LP incentives are lower, and TVL says adios, right? It's it's mm -hmm. part yeah. of the the standard locust or whatever you know whatever mercenary capital liquidity whatever you want to call them uh that shit happens all the time uh and they chase other yields and other opportunities you know other places but when you go into this type of model where you can get a boost then the difference becomes in these uh, in these maturity adjusted lp mechanisms it's kind of it sort of revolutionizes the flywheel of what they're trying to do because you know liquidity remains on the platform basically price down apr up uh, and so that's not something that you see with other models. And so, um, you know, a the th this product by Byte Masons is is badass. Um, it's really really smart, and it's a great way to. Um, and it doesn't just have to be on solidly like like you know Beethoven did this. Like this is a great way to get people a liquid assets in terms of like you know things that you can sell in, in the secondary market. Uh, when you have a locked position, which is, you know, like I, I've said this on the show many times, I've got curve that's locked to like 2025. And I'm like, what, why, what did I do that for? Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a whale with You're big a enough believer. curve that like my fees matter. Like it's such a shit thing, but this You're kind of stuff is, you know, it becomes, it becomes liquid and that's huge. And so, you know, and to your point, when you, when you hit this two X multiplier, um, even if priced down uh, APR and incentives still remain, and so that is a, a a huge piece of the flywheel. And so, and so I'll I'll stop there. But I just wanted to like stress the point that you just made because I think it's super important. Yeah. 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 Go ahead, Corbel. Well, I was gonna say, uh, you know, talking about bite masons and incentive models. Do we want to move on to to the granary finance incentive launch? The, the, yeah. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to answer um, okay. Mr. Got Plenty really quickly. He asks, mm -hmm. is bribing good for the protocol or is it good for the people voting on the voting on the protocol? Um, it's good for both. The protocols get deep liquidity because they'll get a lot of votes and a lot of um, emissions will go there and then LPs will be attracted to that pool. The protocol gets deep liquidity um, and then the people voting on that that pool will get lots of fees from, from high trading. So... Um, and then if, if it's good for voters and if it's good for the protocol, then more people will want to, um, lock up in this case, CHR, um, so they can vote and get those. Um, anyways, I hope that answered your question, but, uh, yeah. Joe Pavis, I'm, I'm trying to understand your, your comment. It's, it's half fees for new entrants. So why enter if you're only getting half the rewards while someone else is getting double the rewards? I mean, you just have to stay in the pool for six weeks. And so, and then you can be in the same playing field as everybody else. It's just, it's a time to maturity, almost like a bond yield curve. Um, so I don't know if I necessarily fully agree with that. Like the question is, you know, as the price comes down, you know, is this something that you, that you would get into? And if you did, would you lock it? And, and it really comes down to, do you want access to fees and bribes? And so uh, that is a personal decision, but you do, you know, obviously you would have to, you know, participate in this model. Uh, and so, you know, it's now trading down at 60 cents. And uh, I think, you know, when it launched, Austin warned people that token price would probably come down because emissions are super high at the start of the epoch. So, um, you know, but look, what they built, pretty freaking good, man. Um, that to, to be three weeks old and have 
240 million in TVL uh, on what I think is the largest growing DeFi chain in all of crypto. Bravo. That's my opinion. Yes, sir. See how it goes. All right, let's get into granary. Uh, so, you know, so basically, um, granary, and I'll get off the price because it's probably a little less relevant until the tokens are emitted and we can talk about how that, um, you know, how the, the token launch was was done. But uh, so basically, granary, uh, lending, lending and borrowing protocol live on seven chains uh, Phantom, Optimism, Metis, Arbitrum, Avalanche, um, oh, Ethereum. <laughs> Uh, and so they've got a major emphasis on anti-token dilution. Like the big problem with a lot of these, um, you know, lending and borrowing protocols is that they they incentivize the pools and they dilute the shit out of themselves. And the token is uh, the you know, the holder of the token is is the beneficiary of price go down when things like that happen. So um, I think yesterday they started um, token emissions. And so Charles, do you have the skinny? Give us the deets. I've, I've got the skinny. So um, just off the bat, uh, I have to say that I I have a vested interest in uh, in Bite Mason's products, um, just as a bit of a uh, bit of a disclaimer. Um, but I've been lucky enough to be privy to some of the incentive distribution decisions from the granary team and some of the risk management and the uh, quantitative work that they've been doing. And to me, the approach that they're taking in terms of incentive distribution makes so much sense. And it's like one of those things where um, when I heard about it or when I heard about the approach that they're taking, like it's one of those things where you think well obviously that's how it should work like why hasn't this been the approach all along at, at least to me that's that's how i that's how i see it so I, what i'm referencing is um how crypto as puts it in his tweet i don't know clay if you've got that uh, uh I can also share. Sure. it doesn't matter it doesn't matter but sure, crypto sure as put a put a tweet about the incentives and he puts it um as a sniper-like approach to incentive distribution. And that means targeting the most active markets. That means the markets with the most volume and incentivizing those. Um, and if we keep with the, the shooter analogy, the standard has been usually for shooter. money markets to sort of spray and pray incentives all over all of their markets, you know, incentivize all the markets equally or something close to that. Um, and it's, it's wasteful and it's, it's inefficient because you want to incentivize the markets that are making the protocol revenue. You want to reward the people who are, you know, the borrowers and the people who are making the protocol revenue. And, um, yeah. So the other thing that usually happens is that supply side and borrow side are equally, uh, incentivized or, you know, it's it's close to they just put an equal amount of of the incentives on both sides. Only one of those sides is making the protocol revenue. The borrowers are the people who are paying the protocol, right? And they're the ones who are paying the lenders. Um, and so what Granary is doing is targeting high volume markets and weighing the, the incentive distribution on the borrow side. So 80% of the incentives are going towards borrowers, 20% are going towards lenders. 
And when you drive borrower demand for borrowing through these incentives, that means supply APR goes up and then you get more suppliers and just more people in general are borrowing and the protocol revenue goes up, uh, revenue for suppliers goes up um, and it's just a more efficient and more like tailored incentive distribution to a money market. Mm -hmm. um, on top of this, 100% of the protocol revenue is being used to buy back grain. Um, so you mentioned, you know, the price is kind of relevant for now. Um, and I mean, generally it's, I don't know, like from the, you know, from the protocol perspective, it's pretty irrelevant, um, I guess. Uh, but Charles, I'm jumping in. Yeah, go for it. All right. You nailed like the key elements to me, the 80% borrow side, um, you know, incentives like that is, that is, uh, that's, that's huge. And like, so if you, if you think about like at the end of the day, everybody wants one thing and that is price go up. Uh, and that is pretty much the bottom line. I don't care who you talk to, what you're talking about. It's, uh, but, but the, the, the real bottom line is how do you actually make that happen? And so, um, if you think about the way that tokenomics have been done traditionally to your point, um, if you're on nine chains, it's a spraying prey across nine chains to capture TVL. And there really isn't something like this, which is a distribution between supply and borrow side, um, you know, incentives. And the reason that the, you know, the borrow side is what makes the money. And when, when granary makes money, they use that money to then buy grain, take it off the market and then put it back into incentives. And so that is like, like that is, it, it's a flywheel, um, that I haven't seen from a lending protocol and, and just full disclosure, I did get into the grain LGE, but, uh, with that said, I still am bullish on what they're doing because to your point, they've, they've chosen, uh, you know, specific markets, um, to incentivize first. And what I would argue is that these markets are either large cap, uh, you know, gas tokens or, or really, really large cap, just general like staked ETH, things that you're going to find a shitload of TVL attraction for. And uh, I think it's yeah. really, really smart. And just uh, quickly, Mr. Clean, um, the plans haven't changed. Uh, there will still be an airdrop for um, previous granary users. Um, it's still happening. It's just not happening right now. So uh, just to throw that out there. Also, um, there is no stake ETH on Arbitrum. I think AS made a bit of a typo there. Um, there's stake ETH on optimism, but I think Chainlink is working on getting stake ETH on Arbitrum. Yeah, it's coming. Um, it's coming. It's coming. So yeah, Arb ETH USCC on Arbitrum, Phantom USCC on Phantom, Bitcoin ETH USCC stake ETH on on optimism, and those are the markets with really really high volume for yep. granary. Um, and so yeah, uh, they're they're trying to make. Um, <laughs> My roommates are getting rowdy again. They're trying to make um, a money market profitable. They're trying to make it sustainable. Mm -hmm. And it's like the the metric that Bebus likes to throw around all the time is um, Ave last year emitted $300 million worth of, worth of tokens. Yep. And they made about $25 million in revenue. So it's like that isn't sustainable. And you have to figure out a way to... Um, 
to be able to fund your own incentives um, through protocol revenue and through um, like buybacks and stuff like that. So um, yeah, this makes a lot of sense to me um, in that it's like a very simple supply and demand kind of thing, right? So what they're just trying to do is just drive up demand because demand uh, supply will grow as demand increases and the demand at, because of how these money markets work, right? Like the tighter the spread between the two, you're going to be much more incentivized to enter on the supply side because you're going to get a crazy APR for lending when 90% of the, the funds are, are already lent out, right? Um, dude, I think it's a good idea. I think this is like a nice trend that we're seeing where incentives were because previously when we just discussed Kronos, that's another way of targeting incentives to incentivize specific behavior. Yes. And we're seeing this kind of evolve to be more and more specific. And I think it's a good sign. We're going to see a lot less <clears throat> token devaluation, I think. And uh, that's good for everyone all around. You're going to start seeing tokens that are less likely to just go straight to zero within like six months because it, it's targeted to very, very specific actions. So let's let's like let's put this let's put a bow on this. And 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 like the bottom line is. This is what people care about right here. That's what they care about. Um, there's a few things that go into that. One, actually understanding how tokens are distributed. So the way that they did the LGE, you could you could get your tokens in a three month. And I think the maximum was what, five years period. And you could go yeah. in, deposit money and you get, you know, so so like the, 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 the token distribution sort of like yield curve uh, flattens at some point and, and, and the emissions slow down massively. And so unlike SWE, which we're going to talk about in a second, which I can tell you what the fuck's going on there. Uh, I have a, a way to predict, uh, token emissions, um, in a much more rational way, couple that with incentivized markets, uh, that drive high TVL and then a buyback program, um, to, you know, incentivize those markets and take grain off of the market to then continue the flywheel. Uh, that is a, you know, to me, that's a, a much more sustainable borrowing and lending model than you see. And again, just full disclosure, I did get into the LGE, but the tokenomics of what they built is very, very well thought out. And if you can, you know, if you could predict, uh, how much is going to be coming onto the market at certain periods, uh, and you can also buy tokens off of the market based on profit, then uh, generally speaking, in times of good markets, this number will uh, look better. Uh, and that's kind of, that's to me, that's the bottom line. Uh, now we'll see how it goes in, uh, you know, look, theory, in, in theory and in practice, driven things, but uh, the, the, you know, what they've designed is, is pretty, pretty smart. Yeah. And if I could just cap it off quickly. Cap it off. Um, the work obviously never stops in terms of um, designing incentives and adjusting to market behavior. And the team is gonna continue to constantly be backtesting and tweaking strategies to find the absolute optimal way to incentivize markets, right? Things such as studying the behavior of, of the users, looking for patterns in what they're doing with regard to new incentives, which markets are responding um, are responding well and which ones are responding best to the incentives. So it's, it's a constant yeah. flow of, um, incentivizing back testing, 
um, and and tweaking of of just um, strategies and um, distribution. Um, yeah. So just just wanted to mention that. Um, yeah. So I mean, effectively, the, the the seven things that they're incentivizing today may not be the seven things they incentivize tomorrow, based on based on demand, right? Like that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry, Mr. Gotplendy. I'm sorry I let you down. <laughs> it, it's all good. Um, so yeah. So I mean, look, listen. I I think what they are putting together is uh, is a. Is, I'm I'm very interested to see how it plays out. Um, and there's, you know, they, they've got, they, there was a lot of money that went into that LGE. Uh, and so it seems like they've got pretty good backing for, uh, quite a nice runway. And, and I'm very impressed with the tokenomics that they've put together. Uh, and I'll be interested to see how, uh, emissions look on a yearly basis versus like an Abe. And so I think they've made some really good changes to it. So, uh, will price go up and while I make have to do to make price, uh, that's the answer I'm looking for, uh, man. I thought all I right, just explained all that. Me. He was oh, trolling okay. me. Oh, God. God. Um, so, uh, yeah, so let's let's switch over to Sui. Uh, so Sui uh, launched three days ago on Monday uh, with a um, beautiful... I'm sorry. I, I'm so sorry. I'm going to interject again. Um, Scorpius has asked this twice now, so I just don't want mm. to let them down. Um, I'm not... Credit score things uh, will be... Um, more details about that will be will be released. Um, that is being worked on. I, I don't think I can talk about that uh, yet. So just uh, stay tuned. Sorry, I just I did see your comment. I just can't talk about it. So mysterious. You can credit so score. Mysterious. Can, you, can you read French? Is that French? Um, uh, yeah, no, yeah. I live in Montreal. My French is okay. Got it. All right. It's not amazing. Oh, another another reason we have you on the show, my friend. Uh, you are bilingual. I like it. So sweet. Launched on Monday. Uh, and the, you know, and I've, I've been still trying to make sense. We, look, when this thing launched, like, honestly, the price hasn't, it really hasn't been terrible. Like I, I thought that price would fall off a cliff. Like most, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, dollar 48, dollar five. So I mean, yeah. what's up? Is it not quite off a cliff? Not off a cliff. Uh, but there's only 528,000 tokens in circulation and you know what? Uh, yeah, my bad. 528 million tokens in circulation. Uh, thank you for keeping me honest there. Uh, but what scares the shit out of me is that uh, a little over or a little more than half of the tokens worth about $370 million. So basically, um, you know, just over 528 million were available at launch. $370 million of that have been allocated to, to market makers. And so, you know, that's that's over, you know, it's a, I don't know what, 60%, something around there. Um, and so there was a tweet that was put out that basically said, Sui's vesting schedule looks like uh, if it was made by Alameda, you don't want to be invested on November 3rd when the cliff falls off effectively uh, when cir circulating supply will 3x. Uh, and market makers now hold 54%, so I said 60, but it's 54, of circulating supplies to a very concentrated high risk of dump. Um, you know, so what, what do you guys make of this? Like, I haven't even been able to find a lot of like good information on it uh, as far as their tokenomics overall. Um, but, you know, this to me, like this is a little sus. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that necessarily want to like completely tank their project. <laughs> um, and, and like, I don't think it's like a complete pump and dump, but that it will that is a pretty scary uh was like over doubling of the uh of the circulating supply in the span of like a month 
My man, look at the blue. Look at the blue. The light blue. Yeah, I'm looking right what's, at what's, it. What's that say? Early contributors. Look at that. Let's mm -hmm. uh yeah. Let's mm, mm, I don't know, man. Yeah, so like they're when I was trying to look into the project, a lot of their um of their tokenomics talk is centered around um like a lot of the tech and like what their proof of stake mechanism is, and they've got this thing called the storage fund, and they've got all these um sort of incentive mechanisms for validators and for uh for users and such and they kind of i mean yeah there we go that's this is a good article i mean i don't know if it was intentional but they kind of like it was very vague in terms of where the initial tokens were going um mm -hmm. and what these allocations mean and I, I popped in their discord and i asked them like do you have vesting schedules or like uh you know mm -hmm. a missions curve do you have something you, like then, exactly then that? Blocked. I mean, <laughs> no, they 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 were nice, but they just said that's you know it's not public yet, or like we haven't announced anything like that. And yeah. then I find mm -hmm. Binance Research post this, and it's like, well, yes, it is public, but they didn't. I don't know. Maybe they weren't aware of it, or they didn't share that with me. So it was kind of weird. Like, where's the? I don't know. I just it was weird. Where's the where's the fucking Binance allocation? So Binance launch pool, blah blah blah. Yes, they, got, they got a pretty large percentage in Series A and Series B, which yeah. will be you know VCs. Um, almost four percent went to market makers. Yeah, um, but like what, what's on lot. the market right now? So let's look at this. We got let's say right now market makers, community access. So community access program ain't out. That's being held in, in a multi sig somewhere. Binance launch pool. This tiny tiny percent, 0.14. The foundation got a little percent, and the market makers. So basically, like market makers are holding everything at this point like 0.14 percent came to apparently a hundred thousand various people from the binance because that's that's what i read as as the binance total um number of people involved like that dude first of all like the product might be great like i have no idea like we're gonna find out like how good the tech is like you know with rust and with with move and, and all the shit that they're doing that's different than most other layer ones that you see see in the space but like you know what in the flying f is this is this white paper like like honestly i was i was like reading this like you know i mean i i'm not a math major by any way shape or form but like how is this how is this the tokenomics white paper like this is you know like I, like you gotta have a phd to break this shit down this is this i guess really, it's it's saying that uh the supply is never burned and that there's a limit to the number of tokens hundred billion or ten billion. Okay. Well, what's this? What like what are these formulas? What well, that's it, just it, saying it seems, like it seems the, like the yeah. Well, I think that's just saying like how how many epochs until like everything is emitted. I guess I guess you went to college and I didn't, but uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying the the transparency of this thing gives me the heebie-jeebies, and uh, and I I tend to agree. And look, the tech might be great. Like I have no idea. It, it it could, you know, be lightning fast, and it could, you know, it could be great for NFTs and gaming and all kinds of stuff. Like it's it's not that, but this concerns me. Yeah, product might be awesome, and yeah, I don't want to say anything about the 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 actual chain. Um, I think it to me it's just like classic VC 
VC chain. Probably gonna be really yeah. fast. It's probably gonna be really cheap gas. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's probably gonna work great. Granted, it doesn't go down every month or whatever, like Solana did. Um, but you know, it's uh, you have a a lot of really huge holders of the token, and that dissuades me from buying the token. I mean, like yeah. uh, maybe I'll use the chain at some point, but there's no way I'm oh. gonna invest. Um, yeah. Until with you know five percent of the supply or whatever it is. Well, I mean, um, so the, the only way I would, Charles, is I would wait for this massive unlock. I would wait for November 3rd, like put in my calendar, SWE token unlock, November 3rd. Yeah. <laughs> Check back, see if price drops off a cliff. And, you know, because at the bottom line is like with this much with this much vested interest from this many parties, like they're, they're due, like look at, uh, look at Solana, man, like they're, like there are opportunities in these scenarios to make a lot of money. Like like these people have vested interest to make sure token price go up. And so I would be marking my calendar for November third or whatever it is, seeing what happens with the price action at that point, uh, and then you know looking to see if there's and trying to figure out like if there's an Aptos, you know like uh, basically a big dump to get back in. And uh, and that's the kind of like that's the sort of play I would make on on something like this. It'd be useful to know at what price uh, Series A and Series B investors got in at, yeah, and uh, also those early contributors to see how likely they are to just dump. Uh, I mean, it's it seems like they probably want to slow roll it, but it seems like they could have also done a vesting schedule that was a little bit more staggered, so it wasn't hitting all at once. Um, yeah, I, I think it was somewhere. Crap! I don't actually have it in front of me, but I, I'm I think, pretty sure. Austin, I think it was, I think it was like around ten cents or less. Yeah, I heard um, it was thirteen. Yeah, Bearbull's got yeah. a great point here. Ten billion potential coins at one dollar per token. That's a lot of hopium <laughs> on the might be good train. Yeah, uh, ten billion dollar market cap. Who yeah. knows? I mean, if they make the next Pokemon on Sui, yeah, <laughs> which they want to do. <laughs> Well, let's see what's uh, what's what's Solana's market cap right now, as at number ten. Come on, eight billion. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a pretty good point, guys. Um, so anyway, that remains to be seen. I I wouldn't do a damn thing until you know we have some clarity uh, on this, and uh, but it's it's definitely something to watch. And and for the love of God, release a white paper on like you know on the actual tokenomic allocation. Um, and, and give us some clarity. So with that said, let's move on to DAI. Uh, I believe it is the fourth largest stablecoin behind Binance, uh, which BUSD Whoa. and Paxos are going away. Mm-hmm. So I would probably call it the third largest as I'm sure it's going to move that direction, right? Um, and so, you know, so basically they're launching a product uh, in on DeFi Tuesday uh, called Spark Protocol, which is a, another lending and borrowing protocol uh by MakerDAO. and effectively i think the initial iteration of spark will function uh for lending and borrowing against eth staked eth die and a new token which is an appreciating asset of die called s die uh and what does the s stand for does anybody know is it savings uh, die i think savings die all right which so, makes sense because it's yeah it's it's based on the die the savings rate which is one yep. percent. Uh, so it's a it's a liquid version of of um, what what you would have if you just deposit into the Dai savings module. Got it. So so what's the deal here? So basically, like, look, 
their their market cap is 4.5 billion they're the again mm -hmm. they're the fourth largest stable in the space uh and i know that they have you know they offer collateral debt positions where you can mint new die tokens by depositing assets as collateral uh largely backed by usdc and ethereum um but you know what do you think what do you think this opens up for them um like you know, the play here is interesting because now they've got you know think about Think about how much stakes Ether is in the ecosystem and how how fast uh, liquid stake derivative protocols are growing. Like, there's only 13% of ETH staked, I think, at this point. 13 or 16, it's low. It's low compared to all other proof-of-stake networks. I bet that number gets to 70% at some point. Like, I'm talking it might take a couple of years, but it's going to grow exponentially. And now you can actually take staked ETH and borrow a stablecoin against it, which is pretty smart. Uh, and so what do you think this could potentially do for DAI? Mm -hmm. You got any mm -hmm. initial Anybody? thoughts? I've been talking a lot. Well, I mean, yeah, I think it's it's good. The, the thing that was interesting to me about this was that you could borrow, like it's connected to their, was it like B3D or something like that? So D3M. like it's got like infinite, <laughs> like bottomless liquidity. It's like a central bank. Yeah, yeah. So basically they have capped the borrow rate for die so i think the the goal here is to just drive demand for die they want to mm. gain stablecoin market share yep. um and so spark is going to be connected to um to right. the d3m module which uh, mints die yep. and so basically what they're able to do is set a a, a stable borrow rate i think it's 1.11 percent is what yep. they're targeting for the first yep. little while, um, which which makes sense because it can't be lower than one because the savings rate is one percent. So, if it was if it was it's that's probably why it's a little bit over one percent. Otherwise, it's just free so money. Reverse engineering. Um, but why is so that? If 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 it was if you could borrow die at at less than the savings rate, you mm -hmm. could just borrow an infinite amount of die and right. deposit it as savings and just make that difference um, mm -hmm. free. Basically. So this S die is that that that's getting the difference between the borrow rate, like that is the savings rate, like the difference. S die is getting S die is getting one percent annually. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and the stable rate that they're setting is one point one one percent for borrowing die. Yep. Um, so how they're able to cap that percentage is basically if the utilization of the die market on spark mm -hmm. if it if there's a, a lot of borrows they can basically just print more die into the market and bring that supply more die into the market and bring that that rate down to what to their target so yeah. i mean the maker is the central bank essentially. Yeah. And so if the interest rate gets too high on, on the borrows, they, you know, they QE die into the, into the market mm -hmm. um, until the, the borrow rate comes down again. And I think they're just trying to drive die adoption. I mean, it is um, it's a, it's an Aave V3 fork by the way. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's focused on the die, the die market, the die for the market for borrowing, borrowing die. And, and it seems um, to me, if we bring this back to your original point, Clay, about what does the staked ETH mean? It seems like they're expecting the staked ETH, the ability to to use staked ETH to mint die to kind of like offset this increased like liquidity offering. So
So it's going to massively grow the market, both on the demand and the supply or the supply and the borrow side. It should. It's a, it's a very smart idea. Um, particularly when you can act like when you have the stability fee mechanism, um, you know, for the, for like this, the CDP side of things, uh, and you can act as a central bank, then there's not like, like yeah, Dude, die might be the future, bro. Die. This is the final step of their master yeah. plan. They call it. But it, <laughs> here's the problem, bro. When you're when you're 80 percent backed by USDC, if if anything oh. happens to USDC, oh. then dies is. Uh, oh, you think you're smarter up. than Master Die here? Because guess what? You don't even know the final step of the master plan. Real world <laughs> asset tokenization. That's their final step of the plan. Is that it will no longer be backed by USDC. It'll be backed by, I don't know, real world assets. They're kind of unclear about that. Maybe they'll buy a gold mine. Yeah, thirty mustaches. Like I would love. I'd that, like to dude. know about any sort of maybe points of failure with this yeah. kind of model. Maybe someone who is smarter than I. Yeah. With like, what if someone with you know, uh, I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of worth of staked ETH, like they can just borrow that die. The the interest rate's going to go way up, and I don't know. Is there some sort of like attack vector? Um, that some very rich person could take um, and profit yeah. off of it. I'd, I'd like. I'll tune, probably give some more thought. Tune, tune in but, next week, and we'll have Justin Beavis on to uh, to break down the attack vector. Because if there's yeah, anybody I've seen, dude, I've seen Justin call the DPEG of of Terra Luna. Uh, I've seen him call. I, I've seen him call like five different things where I was like, no fucking way, and then it actually happened, bro. So if there's anybody that's good at analyzing attack vectors, it seems to be that guy. Uh, so. Tune in next DeFi Tuesday for how this could potentially go wrong. Uh, and so, uh, all right. So a couple, you know, we're at an hour and nine minutes. Um, dude, a lot of interesting things going on. There's a ton of innovation in the space. And I think that, you know, every Tuesday should be DeFi Tuesday from here on out. That is my, you know, actually, you know what? Fuck it. We're doing it. DeFi Tuesday, every Whoa. Tuesday. Because um, cool. I think it's fun. And so uh, I wanted to throw and an, like, I'm going to throw a couple of flyers of, of other ones that I, other projects that I'm interested in and looking at. Uh, I own one. I do not own the other. Uh, the first is Plutus DAO. So like I'm, I'm heavy on the uh, Arbitrum projects. I think that there's a lot of interesting uh, innovation going on on Arbitrum. Mm -hmm. I think the DeFi ecosystem is thriving. Uh, and I think that we see a DeFi summer and I think it's going to start on Arbitrum. That's my personal opinion. Uh, and so, you know, not this summer, but maybe next summer. Uh, and so um, Plutus DAO is effectively like if you're familiar with Convex, uh, they allow you to exchange Curve for CVX CRV. Uh, and instead of being an idiot like me and locking your Curve for you know, four and a half years, you can lock it for 16 weeks and then vote for uh, emission you know, gauges on Curve and you get rewards. And so that's what mm -hmm. Convex, Convex became. Uh, sort of the the gauge liquidity layer uh, for Curve, and so that uh, was a very revolutionary model when they invented it. Uh, and the shorter locking periods was was really damn smart. And so uh, come you know you know along comes Plutus Plutus DAO, which is basically the native governance layer two black hole on Arbitrum, uh, and they've been sucking up Spa Jones DAO, Radiant Capital, and Dopex uh, supply, and then locking them. Um, forever, and so they actually, I think they, I think they own like 54% of the circulating um, dopex supply uh, on on Arbitrum. So effectively, you know, the the purpose is 
of Plutus is to aggregate these V assets for governance. And if you can control governance, then you can control yield and you can take that yield and then um, you know, you lock your Plutus paired with another asset and you get paid higher yield for doing that than if you just held the single token. So basically they're a governance black hole on Arbitrum and I'm bullish on things like that because anything that, that controls governance um, has a lot of power. And so you've seen in, you know, in the good times, Convex was at 40 bucks. Uh, I don't know what it is now. Like, I think it's like three, three or $4, but like, you know, it was a 10 X from here. Um, and it's a very, very novel concept that's now being replicated all over the place. And so that is one that I own none of, but the price is starting to come back down and I like what they're doing on Arbitrum. Uh, so that is certainly one. So, you know, this entire show is not financial advice, do your own research and figure it out. But that's something that I am looking at, uh, in Plutus. Um, they also got, uh, I think it was the fourth largest airdrop on Arbitrum of ARB tokens, about 2.7 million ARB tokens that I'm sure they're going to use in a variety of ways. Uh, and so, you know, this, this was when, when they got the airdrop, I think it went up to a dollar 15. Um, and now it's back down to 47 cents. So it went up to a dollar 31 actually. And so, you know, if we, if we see total three fall off a cliff, uh, there might be some good opportunities to get entries on things that you're interested in, in, uh, in, you know, picking up. And so that is one that I'm, uh, that's one that I'm definitely paying attention to. Uh, and again, do your own research and, and figure out if it makes sense for you and if you like what they're up to. But uh, I believe an Arbitrum is a DeFi layer. And so that's one that is, uh, you know, one I'm paying attention to. Uh, and then uh, this is a complete do your own research. Uh, do not make any decisions based on me. But uh, I aped into a, a meme coin in Arb Turbo on Arbitrum. Oh, my God. Yep. <laughs> Oh and and uh, we'll see how it goes. And uh, they, basically, they use 2% of the supply to give you Arbitrum tokens. So every time there's a transaction, a sell, they give you 2% in Arbitrum tokens. Look, it could go to zero tomorrow. I have no idea. But in the meme coin game, I'm playing it. And so this one I let's do, do own. Let's do a meme, meme coin Monday. Meme, meme coin roundup. You, you're on a freaking uh, Wojak. Yeah, I mean, what like, about Ben? It's, eh? it's, it's meme coin season, so you got to play. Oh, okay. You got to play the game. Look, obviously, massive, you know, massive risk in any meme coin. So, not financial advice. Do not, do not go purchase this token. Uh, but right I am. <laughs> I've been. We've lost them. We've lost them to the meme coins. Uh, but yeah, I mean, dude, there's a lot of opportunities out there. I'm not saying that this is one of them, but it is something I've been having fun with. So, um, you know, and with that, you know, if you've got other things that you want us to talk about, let us know. Like this is going to become DeFi Tuesday. And uh, if you've got projects that you're interested in, then uh, tweet at us and be like, yo, talk about this. We're, we're interested in learning more about this type of project. I think it'd be, uh, I think it'd be fun. So uh, from stable clay to meme clay. We got to, uh, we get, you know, we got to, we got to keep it spicy around here. So, uh, with that, we're at the hour and fifteen minute mark, gentlemen. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your knowledge. And uh, it's been a fun DeFi Tuesday. A uh, lot of cool things going on. We will keep an eye on Bitcoin and Total Three and Bitcoin dominance because I think it's gonna be super important. Uh, with that, tell one friend about the show. We can two X in no time. Uh, we appreciate everybody who tunes in every single day. You are the reason that we do this. Uh, let's keep it light. Let's keep it fun. Let's figure out the ways to make some money and uh, let's have a great week. 
We will see you tomorrow on The Daily Show. I will not be here. Corball and Austin will. And uh, with that, I think we're out of here. Adios. Adios. See you guys. Peace out.